According to what? According to you, Lord Christ. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Last week, we heard one retelling of the creation story in John's Gospel. The beginning was the Word. Today we hear two more creation stories. One is very clear, one is Genesis itself, the first words of the scripture as we have inherited. We were talking about this passage late Tuesday afternoon, a small group of us, as we've begun meeting now regularly, and you all are welcome to join any time, thinking very deeply about the waters of chaos over which God moves, the beginning of creation, and the ancient word of Tiamat, which is the terrifying sort of image of the waters of chaos, Maybe a Hebrew word. I wonder, though, if it may even have some Babylonian origins from the Babylonian exile that made its way into the tradition, but this sense that the waters are a terrifying and very powerful thing. And we were in the middle of that conversation when I got an email from the preschool saying that everything had been flooded <laughs> the lowest level of the building, right beneath your feet on Tuesday. So, so we went down, dropped everything, went down, just so happened by God's grace that we had the current junior warden and the incoming junior warden as part of that conversation. So we had all the expertise we needed in the room. Yours truly, being a good Midwesterner, went immediately for the shot back. But the whole basement was flooded. So here I was thinking I was going to bail us out. You know, it's like using a teaspoon to bail out a boat, right? <laughs> One of the other prisoners with us says, what are you doing, Richard? <laughs> oh, right, right. If there's one lesson to be learned from that storm, one lesson for us living today, 
And one lesson for us as we face a world where the climate is changing, something is worth underscoring that the scientists have been telling us for years, and that is water is the most powerful and important element when it comes to climate change. What we got up the next morning as the mess was starting to be cleaned up and looked on the streets, you could see all the gravel and sand and everything that had washed down off the mountain in that downpour. The city was out cleaning that up, obviously, but it was just a reminder that we are at the mercy of powers much more powerful than we are, even today with all that we have. And among them, water is the most powerful thing. And this was, this was known in the ancient world, it was understood. Water gives life and water takes life. And when water rushes in the desert, it changes things irrevocably. Is it little wonder then that our spiritual ancestors went to water when they wanted to talk about a complete change and transformation of life? Today we get this passage from the beginning of Mark's gospel. In fact, Mark opens the gospel just a few verses earlier by saying the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And in very short order, we just have the main characters appear. John the baptizer appears, and then Jesus appears. Mark wants to go straight to the heart of things. And the words that the author uses are fascinating in their own right, because Mark, we think, was probably written or put together in its current form in Rome. In the latter half of the first century, at a time when Christians were enduring persecution, and so was the Jewish community. In fact, the Jewish community had gone to war with the Romans, a war they would lose, unfortunately, and the temple and Jerusalem would be destroyed as a consequence. But all of that put together, the author of Mark has the skies open as Jesus is lifted up out of the waters of chaos. And God says, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. No doubt, no doubt, the citizens of the Greco-Roman world at that time would have heard an echo of something that had happened about a century earlier when Julius Caesar adopted Octavian as his son, and the emperors were called sons of God. Octavian would become Augustus Caesar, the first Roman emperor, and would establish the extent of the largest empire the Mediterranean world had seen to that point. And here we have a Jewish peasant, as it were, coming out of nowhere and being baptized in the Jordan River, the boundary for our spiritual ancestors between Jewish civilization and the rest of the world, and being raised up and God identifying him as God's son. There's a way in which those 
unimaginably powerful waters of chaos become embodied at that point in Jesus the Christ, who is going to be an unstoppable force, as we will see as we move through Mark's gospel for the rest of this year. And the telling of that story in Mark's hands is breathless. It's like every other sentence begins with and, 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 immediately, then, immediately, immediately, and, 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 all the way to the very end when we get, all right, spoilers, the empty tomb. <laughs> the empty tomb. The lesson for us today, living now, is that it is in our baptism that we are being joined with this powerful force of Christ, being birthed in us and rebirthed with every renewal. John seems to go to great lengths, and the early Christians seem to go to great lengths to point out that the first baptism of John the Baptist was about repentance, that's turning away from the old way of life. But the baptism of Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit is about a whole new life altogether, brand new. Sometimes radically disconnected from the old way of life itself. And we have that embedded in our baptismal liturgy when it talks about being taken into Christ's death in the waters of baptism and then rising with him into new life. The old tradition was we'll clean ourselves up so we are ritually available again for worship and our regular life. The new tradition in Jesus is we're not going back to the way things were. We're doing something completely new. And if the great flood this week reminds me of anything, that's what we have to be doing as a community together this year. It begs the question, all right, Richard, so what is that going to look like? I don't have an answer to that. But I do say this, we're going to find this together. And it begins with our gathering in prayer, remembering the power of our baptism to make new life out of the old. A message from the flood this week that I share with you all. Take the other lesson too. A shot back won't be enough. When it comes to the great waters getting into the places they don't belong, and when it comes to enormous challenges in the world, like we're facing today, we can only confront those together. We can only bring about the change and transformation we need together in relationship as the body 
the great body that God calls and says, you are mine, the beloved. As I went down to the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown, good Lord, show me the way. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.